Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Podcast. To find out more about the Worklife Hub and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Hub Podcast. I am your host, Agnes Uheretsky. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change and organizational development. In our work at the Worklife Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the listeners of the Work Life Podcast. This is your host, Agnes, and I'm very, very pleased and happy to be joined by Sala Topin and Tanner. Hello. Hi, Agnes. Nice to be here. Thank you so much, Sala, for, for coming on the podcast. So maybe just a couple of words to introduce you to the listeners. Um, Sala Topin and Tanner is a leading specialist at the Finnish Institute of Occupational Health I'm not even going to try to say this in Finnish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she is responsible there for working careers. She has a PhD in psychology and she has been a leader and also participated in a number of projects aiming to bring knowledge and practical innovation in the area of the changing world of work, life and careers and work-life balance. So thank you very much for, for being here with us and maybe if you could... Um, explain a little bit more to the listeners and, and some of the listeners who may not be familiar what an Institute of Occupational Health does and, and what is your role there. Okay, well, thank you. First of all, thank you for the invitation. It's it's my pleasure to be here today. Um, I'm working as a leading specialist in, field, in the field of working careers and, and, uh, and during the recent years, uh, especially uh, in work-life issues, uh, we think about work working careers as a as a uh, work career long or lifelong process of um, survi- kind of surviving different kinds of career transitions and coping with the demands of the work and and our focus is mostly on on increasing individual resources for for. Uh, managing all this and coping with life life and work life changes and this is uh, what is my my main topic or my main uh, interest in in my own work as well i do a lot of uh, research and development projects in these uh, different uh, areas or in different uh, age groups for instance now we are starting a new project uh, which is mainly focusing on, on parents of small children, but it's fo- also focusing on fathers and how to increase fathers' take up of family leaves uh, at workplaces. This is my one of one of my new projects. And then we have 
also an ongoing project uh, among working carers and there my focus is on how to uh, uh, increase the resources of uh, working carers who themselves are also aging uh, to, to struggle in their uh, at their work uh, so that uh, we are we are doing an intervention study there to find out if we can increase the resources in a peer group uh, process and then uh, well these are just a couple of uh, my projects now there are also many others but uh, but mostly in work-life issues nowadays thank you and and uh, the occasion or the timing for our podcast recording is because you have just released your latest uh, study which is family friendly practices at Finnish workplaces in 2014 and 2015. Some of the yes. results are also available in English and we will put the link uh, to the website where readers and listeners can find uh, can find this information. So you have basically um, asked 2718 people in 2345 workplaces in Finland about work-life balance and what that means for them. So can you just take us back a little bit? Why did you choose to carry out this study and, and what was maybe the methodology? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, the, this survey was done as one part of the work and family life program, which is an action program uh, which was uh, just uh, ongoing uh, in uh, 2014 and 15 and and this was one one of the uh, sub projects and the aim was to collect data on on the Finnish working life as a whole and actually we didn't do a survey among um, among uh, employees of, of that uh, 2700 and so on but uh, on occupational safety experts who were kind of representing their own workplaces. So we had uh, uh, more than 2,300 workplaces and we asked these occupational safety persons uh, uh, how, how do they feel that these things are arranged at their own workplaces. So this is kind of, uh, in that way we were able to reach uh, as many workplaces as possible coming from different sectors and representing all the areas uh, at, at working life and uh, and this was uh, a very good gave us a very good uh, idea about um, these practices and policies uh, and also the family friendly culture at Finnish workplaces nowadays and and this is the background thank you and uh... So basically, from what I understood from your uh, study description is that um, workplaces who have more than 10 employees, they have to have an occupational uh, safety person. Is that is that right? Yes, and they have to give this uh, contact information to the register, which is maintained. Mm-hmm. In, so that uh, this is the kind of the only way to to reach all the workplaces in Finland in a way because uh, I mean all the workplaces with more than 10 10 employees. But that's a wonderful resource 
for yes. you to to be able to reach out and and ask some some very important questions yes i agree it's it's a very very good resource so i had a look at the um outcome and, and the findings and it seems that for three quarters of finnish workplaces balancing work and family life is easy um so yeah. basically we will try to uncover uh, with you sala a little bit the secret sauce of uh, of what what makes finnish workplaces so great and as i usually when i speak to other colleagues from scandinavia they always tell me but we also have our own problems so yes. i'm going to be also curious to 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 find out what you identify as still maybe some of the barriers some of the challenges so mm. what what i found interesting is that uh, did i read correctly that the church parishes were some of the best places to work yeah yeah in that uh, sense that if you ask about the work life balance if it's achievable then the church parishes were the best places to work in that respect there were also some other differences between the the employer sectors and and we could also find uh, that the most uh, problematic situation is in municipal sector where where 12 percentage of of municipal workplaces uh, report that uh, work life balance is not so easy but there are also uh, differences between these uh, sectors because for instance in municipal sector most of the workplaces are large workplaces with uh, many women working mm-hmm. there and uh, actually if you look at the whole data we have uh, most of the workplaces in our data are from private sector yeah. and, and this and also they are quite uh, either small or medium sized sized workplaces where on average it seemed that it's also easier to achieve work life balance than in large workplaces so the, there are i mean there, there are these kind of explanations for the differences also and going to the actual results on flexibility uh, i've i've also i know from other eu level studies that uh, finland has always been the best in that respect so that uh, we we mm, we utilize a lot of flexibility at workplaces compared to any other european countries actually but in our study you can i was kind of surprised to see that um, uh, that actually there were these kind of flexibility measures regarding working time arrangements were used in every single uh, workplace that responded to the survey so that at least one one uh, practice so that uh, and that, and there were many workplaces where many of these different alternative ways to arrange flexibility were were being used yeah and that's that's one of the things which i i find very positive about this uh, finnish working life yes I, i i thought that as well when i was reading the report that that basically everyone had at least one uh, yeah. flexible uh, working time arrangement or measure and what you just said just before about smaller workplaces um i that's always a, a european and maybe even an international level um intellectual debate 
whether work-life balance is easier in large organizations and corporations which have the sufficient funds and the HR departments and they have enough um, headcount basically to, to make up for, for maybe absent persons. But then, yeah. or whether this is better in or easier in smaller organizations where everybody knows each other, they know what kind of maybe struggles they're experiencing being carers or having young children. So, so yours seem to confirm that, that the smaller ones are those where employees feel they can be their whole selves and, and manage better their private life and their work. Yes, that's true. It's uh, according to our results. It seems that uh, the, uh, that kind of official or monitored practices or recorded or written written policies are more common in in larger workplaces. But but nevertheless, the small workplaces succeed better in uh, achieving the balance uh, between work and life among the personal. And there also seems to be more, more uh, kind of individual level agreements between employees and employers or supervisors about this flexibility means. So that it, in my, my view, uh, it looks like uh, small workplaces benefit from 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 that kind of closeness you just described, or or the or the atmosphere and even the family-friendly culture seems to be easier achievable in smaller workplaces where people are, perhaps they are closer to each other. But, but there is this other resource which, which I think also is very important because this written uh, or formal policies and, and, and monitoring practices and so on, they are also important. and. It's not enough to have these written policies and rules. Uh, you also have to use them. So if the uh, culture doesn't support using these these written uh, policies and and all all these possibilities, then then there's no use of that. Absolutely, and 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 that's what we always say also here in the Work Life Hub that that uh, policies have to iterate with modeling behavior from the leadership and the line managers and with culture. And, and this is an ongoing cycle of, of making sure that this becomes the norm. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I liked very much what came out in your study about what you just explained, these, these individual arrangements. And, and that's where I take also a little bit of issue with, for example, trade union, um, collective uh, contracts or bargaining because everybody's private or family situation is different and the way they organize their lives is different. So it does require a great level of flexibility from the line manager to, to accommodate these individual requests for certain hours or certain uh, moments when they need to be away or come back. And, and I think this takes us to what you also found that, however, you also identify that there's a lack of skills and experience in the supervisors and in, in, in the management, right? Yes, and also lack of knowledge uh, about these uh, possibilities. I would, uh, 
I think it's very important that the top management communicates these uh, possibilities uh, very clearly to the line managers or supervisors so that they can actually take benefit of them because uh, and also communicates that it's kind of uh, recommended, recommended to take advantage of all these possibilities because in many workplaces uh, it's it's not that self-evident that top management is uh, understands that it is for the benefit of the workplace to pay attention to work-life balance issues and and to actually uh, encourage supervisors to use uh, and communicate all these uh, possibilities for for practical solutions mm. and I, I also agree that there is a great deal of possibilities in this individual level agreements but also supervisors need support for their own work so that not every single uh, uh, occasion they they have to start from the beginning and and start to find out what what can I do in this situation and so on so I need uh, I I think uh, supervisors would benefit from uh, kind of instructions or or lists of things that you can actually do uh, in their own workplace mm. and this kind of from the should should come from the top management so that that uh, the, also the supervisors see that this is considered important in our organization and, and we are supposed to do this also and take this into consideration in our own, uh, in our own work as supervisors. Yes, and, and that comes also out from your study that less than half um, of the workplaces had official work-life balance practices written into their strategies. So it was not even even yeah. if many reportedly had practices, they were maybe not formulated or put in in really in a strategic way. Yeah, actually, it was uh, only in every fifth mm -hmm. workplace where it was in strategy values or or higher level uh, programs. But uh, but in in but you are right in less than half of the workplaces it was written anywhere so that uh, in that sense there is a lot to do uh, to to improve the situation but uh, also I was surprised to find out that uh, about one third of the workplaces uh, thought that it's not uh, affecting work I mean mm -hmm. I mean work-life balance or or how employees perceive it it doesn't affect their work so that uh, they don't really see that it's important and this is the first step step of course to be motivated to take this into consideration because it's it's not the main purpose of uh, most of the companies to improve work-life balance but they it's doing something else and some sometimes you also hear that from the leaders that or or CEOs that they say that uh, well it's not our job to make people people feel uh, good at home because they are here for working mm. and, and that's what we are interested in so they don't make a kind of a systemic um, approach to the whole person right that that their worker yeah, is yeah. is also someone who has a life 
Yeah, yeah, and it affects their workability and their well-being and and their performance also. Mm. And this is how we how we usually start our conversations with the CEOs and top management that we first show them the all the all these convincing research results showing that it is actually quite beneficial because it is so so common to f make this finding that uh, work-life conflict is is bad for for employees and and the other way around if they feel they are it's imbalanced they feel better they work better they they achieve better results i think it's quite self-evident from if you look at the the research results yes yes i, I think that's also just how somehow our common challenge um as work-life professionals to to convince the um, the skeptics or the unconvinced, because I I feel the world is split into two. Either people get it, and then yeah. they are aware, and then they they really try to create good quality workplaces for their people, or they don't. Yes. <laughs> and and how to break yeah. through to the ones who who, as you say, come up with statements like, okay, we're we're a shoemaking company. We're not in the business of taking care of people's lives. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think you are right. But even among those, uh, uh, you know, those who take it, take think it's important. And among these workplaces too, there are there are lots to be done because uh, they don't uh, they don't they need the motivation to pay attention to it so that they would start building the policies or write the instructions for the supervisors and communicate them and so on. So there are kind of uh, practical hindrances also and and thinking about it as a from the supervisor's perspective. Uh, I, I know this also from my own experience because I, I worked as a team leader for some years. Uh, it's always when you talk to people and and about their life situations and how they affect their work and they they can have all kinds of crises and they need special arrangement and so on. It's always individual situations, like you said, but uh, but it would help make a huge difference if if uh, supervisors as a supervisor you would have uh, some kind of uh, good practices Toolbox, or, or yeah, like a Toolbox, yeah, exactly, and and know how to do it in 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 my own organization, how to arrange this so that you wouldn't have to start all over again every time. Mm. Now, maybe just touching up on two two other aspects that that I found were interesting in the report, and one one was about childcare. That is, this seems to be something still very important, right? Yes, it's very important, but uh, in Finland, as we have the very good public yeah. daycare. Uh, it's not so much uh, an issue of the workplace to pay attention to daycare because it's arranged by public services. So in our survey, we we wanted to know if there is some kind of this was kind of a, a new thing for for us to find out if there would be some kind of extra uh, needs or interest in services that could be arranged by workplaces or or even paid by workplaces and and one of the issues that we asked about was child care of sick children or extra child care services 
referring to you know babysitters yeah could actually or or other services related to food or or other leisure time activities and and so on so, but uh, we found that not so many workplaces were actually uh, interested in in these kind of uh, everyday services yeah benefits and, uh, but but about uh, yeah 20% of the workplaces were somehow interested in 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 childcare services, which could be not arranged, may, may, well, yeah, maybe arranged, but not paid by employer, and and also another twenty percent were interested in voluntary support networks arranged by employer for, for instance, for peer support groups or things like that. Very interesting. Now, because we have a global audience uh, over 20 countries uh, we have listeners joining us what, what would you tell them Sala what is the kind of the driving force or key motivators for uh, Finnish employers to to be really exemplary um, employers in in this sense and, and champion work-life balance uh, because the, the global discourse seemed to fluctuate whether this is a competitive issue that, you know, we need to attract and retain talent and, and we can do this through that. Or is it more of a social justice motivation or or is it just uh, the Nordic way of, of life and this could never happen in, let's say, Portugal or India? <laughs> so I'm just curious, uh, what is yeah. your feeling why does this work so well in Finland? Uh, that's a good, that's a very good question. I, I don't know if I have the right answer for that, but I think we have a long history of of uh, paying attention to these issues. And also demographic change has been going on and recognized early in Finland because of the aging of aging issue. So this all relates to the work-life balance as a whole. And I think we have this kind of uh, rise of uh, well-being at work focus in our activities all over the work workplaces and the working life and the realization that that it is I mean, people are the resource, the most most important resource for workplaces, and and especially in knowledge work society, we know this. But of course, we have this long Nordic welfare state history and 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 emphasis on on these issues and 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 services for all and these kind of things, which makes makes our our working life uh, environment also quite unique because it, we have this very strong support from the society for public daycare and also generals uh, family leaves and good benefits so so i think this is the maybe the answer which i can give you <laughs> A, a combination yeah. of 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 different different yeah, factors. I think so yeah, also the trends coming from the inside the working life. Yeah, yeah. Just just also a quest to have a good quality life. I think yes. is yes, I'm sure. Yeah, 
that's one of the one of the motives i'm sure so before we come to our last question um would you like to uh, tell listeners where they can reach you maybe on twitter or the website if they would like to reach out to you and and maybe also have uh, more information about this study yes of course uh, please uh, go to via uh, her website the uh, it's um, you can easily find it from the www.fioh.fi we will we will also put yes. this into the the show notes with the link to the the English version of the study. Yeah, and and there you can search this uh, work family life program, which is, which can be found there, and and there is a lot of information on this survey and also other from other activities of the program. Now coming to the last question, which is always the same on the work life podcast, if I could ask you, Sala, to give one advice to a CEO to improve um, the work-life balance of his or her employees. Yeah. What would that advice be? Uh, that advice would be that it pays uh, to pay attention to um, the well-being of the personnel, and and an easy way to do it is to build this kind of. Uh, family-friendly policies in your organization. But the main main message from me is that you should communicate these policies uh, and your general aim of advancing work-life balance of the personnel to your supervisors or line managers so that they all know that uh, they are they are expected to take this into consideration and they have all the tools to do it. So I think this is the most important thing. And, and I think it's self-evident that if you if you communicate these kind of things, it it makes you more humane and, and gives an impression that you actually care about the employees in your organization. And, and I'm, I'm convinced that this is for the benefit of the organization as a whole. Thank you very much. Uh, we are also convinced. Yes. I think that 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 investing in the longevity of your workers and and their well-being is is the most important uh, business uh, strategy actually yes. that that you can you can implement. Yes, you nailed it exactly. Yeah. Thank you very much, Sala, for taking the time and and sharing some of this insight into your your research and i wish you all the best for for the future uh, of your work and and the institute yes thank you very much thank you